Have you ever wondered how Paul did it? I mean, when we look at his life, he was one of the biggest evangelists in all of Scripture, writing most of our New Testament from the revelation that we received from God. But not only that, going out into the nations and proclaiming the gospel to every creature. One of the biggest testimonies and role models that we have of what it looks like to do the Great Commission. And But when we look at his life, how did he do that? How did he, how was he able to connect with so many different people groups, so many different cultural backgrounds, yet reach the heart of every individual? You see, Paul said a few interesting things here in Romans 15 to 16 about this, and, and especially in terms of, of unity and harmony and, you know, what are the important things we need to really stand on and what are the things that we can 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 find people in you know there's there's a place where we can come you know, with our, to position our hearts and to find people to minister to people where they can see our heart and they can say i want that too i want but it has to connect with them and ha- they have to understand it from their perspective and we need to understand what their perspective is so we can present the gospel in a way not not compromising but a way that is attractive and that connects with their with them and so in this in this roman series we're here at the end of it and it's been an amazing journey and i'm sure if you've been coming along with us in this journey i hope this has been blessing you but here in romans 15 to 16 where we're now coming to the end and, and we're seeing one of the this is probably one of the most important two chapters that we have been going through and because it does speak of this thing of not only like in the sense of evangelism reaching people but this harmony and unity and 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 fellowship and and what is our individual role in fellowships how do we walk this thing out in a way that will bring the gospel forward because yeshua said that they will know you by the love that you have for one another and if we fall on that they will not know, they will not under, they, the outside world, the world we are supposed to be ministering the gospel to won't, won't want that. You see, what's going to make us stand out is harmony, unity, set apartness. When we love each other in such an incredible, radical way that the world would be like, why? What is going on? You see, everyone wants to be loved. And Yeshua came and that's all he ever did. He, he only came to give. And we're going to talk about that too. We're going to talk about gear, that, that, what, what did Yeshua do? He came to give and he asks of us, he says, I want you to give. I want you to give your life and I want you to give to my kingdom. So in this video, Christina is also joining me yet again. Christina, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hey, shalom. Awesome. So we're going to dig right in into the scriptures here. Welcome. And um, yeah, so in Romans uh, 14, last in the last episode, what we talked about was food sacrifice to idols and, and, and bearing with the failings of the weak or bearing with those who are new to the belief. For example, someone who we talked about how if someone came into the belief and they were, um, let's say they had a pagan background <clears throat> and they came and they saw, you know, us. I'm eating meat sacrificed to idols that could make them stumble. Even if we understand that there's only one God, there's no other idol and none of that. But if it would make them stumble, the weak stumble, or if what we eat would make the weak stumble, or if what we, anything we do would make the, the weak stumble, we need to look at our behavior and abstain from that for the sake of them. Even if what we're doing is not necessarily a sin. 
You see, this is one of the first things that you, that Paul talked about in, in, in making sure that he never made anyone stumble. For example, if I know someone in the room has an, a bi- background of being an alcoholic or, or whatever, and I know it's not wrong to drink wine, that there's nothing wrong with it in moderation, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want this person to stumble. See, that, that's what we talked about. And so, so in Romans 15, verse 1, we then pick up on it where we read, Paul writes, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And so we, we start seeing this idea of he's saying, I, we're, we shouldn't be living in a way that's just pleasing to ourselves. We shouldn't just do what pleases ourselves and be like, oh, you know, you know, for example, oh, you're an alcoholic, but I like my wine. I don't care about you. We need to live for others. We need to give our life for others. And that means we're going to make sure that we live in a way that's going to be a, 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 a role model, if you will, for others. And we're not going to make them stumble. And so this really connects with what we're about to go in. And that is the whole idea that Paul talks about. And when he talked about to the Greek, I became as a Greek. And to the Jew, I became as a Jew. And, and he really is getting to this idea of how he changed his behavior around different cultures, like I said in the beginning, to connect with them. You see, there's a, a, a way that we can live that, so that, that, that is not, and we're not talking about compromise here. We're not talking about, we're not talking about minimizing the commandments of God or, 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 or letting sin in or anything like that. It's like Yeshua. You know, he, he dwelled among the sinner, the tax collector, the adulterer, the prostitute, but he never sinned. But he was amongst them. Why? Because he wanted to reach their hearts. He showed them mercy and kindness in that place. It's very much like when we are called to not be inward focused or self focused, but rather outward focused and looking outward to, to our neighbor. I mean, Paul's been talking about these last few chapters about loving your neighbor, loving your brother and sister in Messiah, and to love them as Messiah would, to serve them. And so, in that same vein, he's talking about now in this chapter uh, 15 about unity. And seeking that unity of loving your brother and building them up in the Lord, seeking his good, as it says in verse two, building them up in the Lord's not just trying to do whatever um, suits your brother, whether it's sin so that you don't um, ruffle any feathers. It's not Paul's not talking about that, but building them up in the Lord and loving them to the Lord and bringing them to the scripture and encouraging them in the Lord in that vein. And like what PD mentioned a moment ago, when Paul spoke to different groups of people, um, like he changed his behavior, like he said, in that way, like he did not. Um, sin. He did not go against scripture. He did not compromise in any way. But like he mentions to the Greeks, he spoke as a Greek. To the Jews, he spoke as a Jew. So like and you'll see in the book of Acts, when he's speaking Messiah and Yeshua to those who are in the synagogue, he goes through all of Israel's history, starting back in the Torah, through Moses, going all up to the prophecies, speaking of the Messiah that would come for Israel. Whereas when he's speaking to the Greeks, he speaks um, things that they would connect with and relate to, and he even quotes some of their poets and philosophers. So he's connecting with his audience and who, what they understand. And in that way, he's loving them because it's all about reaching them for the kingdom and speaking the message of Yeshua in the way they will understand. 
Right, exactly. Hey, Christian, do you want to tell them about that story? You know, when when uh, Paul went and he, he talked about the unknown God with the pagans? Right. So when Paul was in, I forget exactly the place, but we can include it on the video. When Paul went to um, minister, he found a place where there was an altar and it was titled to the unknown God. And so when he went up to the people there and the men there, he commented to them, I know you're very religious. I can see you're very religious for you even have an altar here to an unknown God. So here he's connecting very directly with their culture and what they directly understand. They desire to, to worship this unknown God even. And so he's saying here, I have come to proclaim this unknown God who you're worshiping in his name. And he goes on to proclaim Yeshua Messiah and the entire gospel message to this people using what they already understand in their culture, what they're already doing, but he's speaking directly on their level. He's not in any way changing scripture. He's not in any way um, compromising. He's simply speaking to them in the way they will understand using something from their culture to speak about Yeshua. Amen, exactly. And so I want to read the scripture in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9 19. This is kind of where Paul really talks about this. He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I may win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews to those under the law. I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I may win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I may, might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel. You see, and so he's really talking about, he says like, I became like under the law, but he, and he says, but, or outside the law, but not being outside the law, but under the law of Christ. So he's, he's really just trying to say that, you know, I became as one, that you know is is uh that 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 seems to be on their level like let's say he's ministering to a prostitute who's someone who's a sinner who is who's totally di divorced from god in their place maybe but then he he became as him lowered himself but not doing he's saying not but not being without law not being outside the law but making himself just seem in a way that's connectable to them you see a Pharisee would have, a typical Pharisee would have gone and say, I'm not going to speak to this prostitute because she is totally outside the law, totally. Of, but Paul came and he said, no, I am going to, uh, I'm going to make myself and position myself in a way that I can connect with her, you know, in the same way when he tried to reach the circumcision party, you know, those who believe that you need to, for example, get circumcised in order to get saved. You know, he was coming on, on their, to their level, even to the point of circumcising Timothy so that they, they would be able to minister and connect to him. So they wouldn't be ostracized from the get-go, but so that the circumcision party would listen to what they have to say. You see, they didn't go and sin and partake in their hypocrisy and their sins, but they did, he says, and as he says, um, to, for, for whatever I can do, I'm going to do it for the sake of the gospel. That's what he's he's really getting at. And so, the, for example, you know, a lot of people would ask, well, you know, I, I've heard had this question, you know, when we go and evangelize on the streets, you know, Peter, you know, um, why do you use the name Jesus? You know, because a lot of people obviously would believe that, you know, the name Jesus is not what he was called when he was on earth or or whatever. And, you know, yeah, I love calling him Yeshua. I love calling him by his Hebrew name because, you know, that's probably what his mother called him. Um, but if I'm going to call 
him Yeshua while I'm ministering to someone who's a brand, it was a prostitute on the street. I'm gonna be and they get healed or something happens to them, and I'm telling them, Oh, it's it's Yeshua. A lot of them may be like, Well, who's Yeshua? Like they wouldn't get it. You see, they wouldn't, but if I told them it's Jesus, they oh Jesus, that's that's this. I know this Jesus, I've heard about him before, but I've never seen him in this way that you have just shown him to me. And see, now then if discipleship starts taking place, then at some point we'll be like, oh, yes, but, you know, I, I love calling him Yeshua. They, they'll be like, oh, PD, why do you call him Yeshua? You know, I'm like, oh, well, I love calling him Yeshua just because, you know, that's for whatever reason, you know. So that's, for, as an example, you know, that's just a way of connecting with people. You know, a lot of people would connect with a certain way of speaking or whatever. And so God calls us to and this is a way that we can go and we can reach more people by doing this. This is exactly what Paul did. And this is how his ministry was so prolific and, uh, and, and, and successful. It's because by all means, just like Yeshua, Paul is not reinventing the wheel here. Yeshua did the same thing. They're trying to reach people by connecting with them on a personal eye-to-eye level. And the key in all of this is that when they do this and they're connecting with the people they are specifically speaking to, their audience, it's because they have love for that person and love for God. Remember what Yeshua said, the greatest commandments that sums up the Torah, the two, the two pillars on which Torah stands, like the thesis statements. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor, your brother, as yourself. So in doing so, like Pete's mentioned, they're loving God, so they're not sinning. By going to someone's level and saying, I'm going to become and I'm going to look like you, I'm going to act like you, and I'm going to partake in sin so maybe I can reach you someday. Not, not at all. They are loving God through their actions, through their life, through their witness, that you can look at them and say, there's something different about you. There's a light that you have that I want. So they're loving God in their life and their lifestyle. But that love is also not an inward love where it's just about my personal growth. But now I'm desiring to overflow what God has filled me with on that love that God has given me onto everyone else around me, that love for my neighbor. So that now, instead of having perhaps a pride or an arrogance that I can't, um, I can't fellow, I can't talk to that person because they're, they're a sinner. Or like we have even in the gospels where certain Pharisees um, look down on Yeshua for, you know, you sit with tax collectors and sinners. But what does Yeshua say? You know, I have the, you know, I've come, but for the sick, you know, the, the sick are those who need help, who need healing, who need a doctor. So in that same vein, when we are called to love our brother and to walk out and to go beyond our circles, to love those who are truly in need of Messiah Yeshua, who are in need of the message of salvation through him and also the love of God that he has given in us to pour out from us as well, to not partake in sin to reach them, but to be a light and to that standing light, like Yeshua says, to be that light of the world that we are called to be, so that when they see us, that love that we have for them, that true love from Yeshua, they will desire to know what that love is all about, and they will desire for their lives, so that they can also be changed and transformed into the likeness of Yeshua. Exactly. And, you know, this whole thing we're talking about, it's it's something that is important when we're trying to reach, you know, family, um, friends, uh, whatever, you know, colleagues at work or anyone in your life, you know, whether they're in Christ or not, wherever they are, if you want to reach them with the truth, this is really an important way of doing it. This is really one of the biggest keys um, because, you know, if we're going to talk about big word Hebrew, if you want to throw out big Hebrew words, you know, you may be learned in the scriptures and you may know some Hebrew and, you know, all that stuff. But if you're going to throw out these big Hebrew words and, and it's not going to impress someone. That's not what it's about. You need to connect with people 
on a personal level with their heart. You need to show them that you love them and you care for them. You know, like Paul, like he's like, hey guys, you know, I know you guys, you I've heard you guys worship this unknown God, you know, whatever. But you know, oh, I I, I want to show you who this the real who this God is that you you know this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is actually the God that you want to be worshiping, this one true God, because there is only one God. And so, but he's like, and he, and he will present it in such a loving way. And that's the key. It's not about, oh, you serve the wrong God and that's the wrong God and you need to serve this God. And, you know, that's just not, that's just not how we went about things. You know, that's not just how Yeshua went about things either. Rather, it was, there was conviction, there was straight speech, but it was out of a place of love, you know. And so this harmony, if you will, or, the, or this, this, this peaceful kind of speech is not only then for an evangelistic environment, if you will, or those you want to reach, but it's also for for those in fellowship or, you know, those more close to you. You know, we read here in Romans 15 verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. So it's really, you know, he's really talking about, like I said, you know, you can have a lot of knowledge, you can have a lot of ideas and a lot of things, but, you know, there's a lot of things that are that are quite important, but that shouldn't stand in the way of, of of us reaching someone. There's obviously some things that are obviously so important we can't shift from, but there are some things which you can put aside for a moment and for just reaching someone. You know, for example, you know, if you want to, if, if someone believes in, if you're in a fellowship, for example, and and someone believes in speaking in tongues and they believe it differently than you, because I know that's a controversial one, you know, that that's a there's dispute and, and division and that's wrong. Like we're supposed to be, be in a place of harmony with people. We need to put aside some of these differences and learn and glean from one another and talk about things, you know, or, you know, whether it's the shape of the earth or whether, you know, or um, whether someone claps their hands differently than you or want to want to worship God with different kind of music or, you know, or whether like we talked about earlier, someone who's who wants to say his name differently, you know, that he pronounces his name differently. You know, my pronunciation is right and yours is wrong. Like there are all these kind of things that, you know, are in our fellowships and it's in different, you know, different denominations have got their different issues, whether it's dress or whatever it is. You know, these are all things that the enemy uses, guys. Straight up, the enemy, Satan, our Satan himself comes to bring into fellowships to cause division and stir up anger amongst people and let them then say things that hurt each other and just, just cause chaos. And Paul is really here saying, like, guys, do not let this become a thing that causes disunity and, 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 and disrupts the harmony that is between you. Right, because like what Paul just ended on in Romans 14, <clears throat> He's been speaking about letting, you know, a man-made opinions. Things are not directly found in scripture. So anything in our fellowships that we might um, hold to that is not maybe perhaps directly in scripture, or perhaps perhaps it is, but we have a different understanding of what it might look like. We are called to, as Paul concludes the book of Romans, to, as he even says in verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Messiah Yeshua, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Messiah, Lord Yeshua Messiah. Therefore, welcome one another as Messiah has welcomed you for the glory of God. So the whole goal is to be able to glorify God with one voice 
and to not be sidetracked by anything that might cause division. But to seek what is the foundation. The foundation should be Messiah, should be the whole entire word of God and coming together and building each other up and encouraging each other in that way. Amen, exactly. And so then, you know, Paul goes on and he, he, he then, you know, he's been talking about kind of, like, we've been talking about kind of the, you know, evangelistic idea more. And then we talked about kind of uniting the fellowship. So then he kind of brings it all together and he talks about the, the different, almost the roles of, of the individuals um, who identifies the nations and then the Jews. You know, he talks here in Romans 15, verse 8, he says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the nations might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the nations and sing to your name and again it said rejoice O nations with his people and again Praise the Lord, all you nations, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah said, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the nations, in him will the Gentiles hope. Now, it's interesting because he talks about this fulfillment. He, he says, you know, the, the patriarchs, the promises that were given to the patriarchs, you know, Christ came for the, the circumcised side to fulfill that promise, you know, that was made of this of this messiah of course and so you know that happened but then it says that you know but then we read how the nations came and they put their hope in this messiah that came for the circumcised and in that way i want to submit to you and that's obviously where we are very much today you know if we look around us we are of course we have messianic jews which, which praise god that's part of god's revival amongst the Jewish people, but there's, but the majority of Jews are Orthodox or they don't believe in Messiah or they're secular, you know, right? And so we have, we see that Messiah came for them. He said, I come out for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but then the nations put their hope in him like Christianity today. But now we are sitting with on, on a pinnacle point in history where God desires to now bring the, 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 the Jewish, the circumcised, if you will, in, by the testimony of the nations and the hope that they have in Messiah. So it's kind of this thing of like, they need to see this incredible hope we have in him. But not only that, they need to see good fruit. They need to see the truth in us. They need to see a, a the testimony of the true real Messiah, not just a, a, a Jesus that says that the commandments are abolished or you know, uh, it has to be the Messiah that they are looking for because, you know, Messiah, the Messiah that the Jews are looking for ha cannot go against the Torah, guys. It's just you know, because that would go against the Torah itself. That would go against and the, the books, the, the law of God itself. You know, the law of God say that, you know, if anyone comes, hey, and teaches against this stuff, this guy, you shouldn't be listening to him. So Jesus cannot be doing that. So we must be emanating that Yeshua, that Jesus, that teaches the law of his father, because that's when the Jews are going to see that. And they're going to be like, wow, not only are they obedient to the, 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 the law of God, but they actually have this other thing, the spirit, you know, this, the outpouring of the spirit on them, where there's power that follows. It's not just a dead letter of the law, but there is a spirit that is empowering us to keep it, that writing it, writing it on our heart. And that emanating light is what's going to shine and be a light to the circumcised, if you will, as Paul is writing here. And, you know, and that is really 
what is still unfulfilled in this journey. You know, we have the fulfillment that you sure did come for them, but the unfulfilled part is where they need to, they repent and they come like the majority repents and comes to him. And so that's really what God leaves us. And what Paul is, you know, Paul's heart is so, even though he's all for the nations and, you know, his, the majority of his ministry was ministering to the nations he had a big heart of, in the back of my, his mind was like, okay, but my brothers, he was a Jew himself, remember? And he was like, my circumcised brothers need to get this. But he knew, he understood that God's plan was to reach the, the Gentiles or the nations and then reach the Jews by that. And so that's where we are sitting today. And so in verse 19, you know, Paul is, he, he's actually saying how he talks about here. He says, in power of signs and wonders, in power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Alecrium, I have completed the preaching of the good news of Messiah. So he's saying here, guys, this is not just going to happen by some dead preaching. This has to happen by the power. That's how he did it. His ministry was built on the power of signs and wonders because how, you know, it's, it's like we need something. This world is full of signs and wonders from the enemy. There is so many things of the enemy around us. And we actually read when the lawless one is revealed, he will come in signs and wonders too. And so if we think that we can just sit back and we can, you know, we can, yeah, we can keep his instructions. We can keep his commandments. We can do all these things, but we need the spirit. We need to say, God, we need an outpouring of your spirit. We need your power, your signs, and your wonders to be poured out on us because that's how Paul did it. He said, I did not come with great um, wisdom of man and great speeches and eloquent speech and all these things. You can have all these things, but that thing, those things, but it is dead without the Spirit of God because he says, I came and the demonstration of the Spirit and in power. And here again, he says, in power and signs and wonders. He did all these things. And, and so I want to read this here in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9. He says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and wonders of falsehood. So we have this whole thing of Satan. It's gonna. We see it's prophesied in the Word. Satan's gonna bring this power and signs and wonders that's gonna deceive many, if possible, even the elect. But then God is like, well, I'm giving you. I gave you my spirit. That's the point. You need to pick this thing up so that you can be. It's a. It's a war that's coming and. You know, you're going to either be an observer, like be on the sideline, kind of look at what's going on, and or you're going to be a partaker of that war. You're going to be in the midst of the battle because, you see, if you're just going to observe what's going on, you're going to be outside of it. You're not going to partake. You're not going to be on the, fir on, the, on, the, on the front line. And guess what? Yeshua is on the front line. And if you're not going to be there with him, fighting like he was when he was here physically in his flesh, then are you his disciple? Are you, are you following his example? Are you alongside him? Or are you going to be like the disciples who in their fear scattered? And they didn't, they, 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 they just left. You see, God calls us to be different. He calls us to come and say, God, I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to walk to the cliff of the cross with you. And I want to be full of your spirit so I can minister your spiritual works against the forces of the enemy. 
And this is what it really means to walk in the fullness of spirit and truth. You're filled with the truth of God's word, his scripture, but you're walking also in the anointing, the empowerment of his Holy Spirit, of the Ruach HaKodesh. You're not withholding. This is the basis of the foundation of Yeshua's ministry, what he built it on. And like we have in Luke 4, like we've read previously, when Yeshua went to the synagogue and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled it and read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so in all of this, this is our calling as well, as we're called to walk in Yeshua's footsteps, to likewise with the spirit of the Lord, through the Ruach HaKodesh, because we cannot do it on our own in any way, through our own goodness, through our own righteousness. We need the Holy Spirit in within us to do this for us, to do that with us, that we might proclaim the good news. So we have word deed and sign. We have the word that we're able to speak to, pro uh, to proclaim the good news of Messiah, to proclaim the good news of the entirety of scripture that is given to us as God's love letter to his bride, but also through deed, through lifestyle, through our actions, through our entire life that gives witness of who our king is, but also through signs, through what we're doing, through the empowerment of the spirit, that we are like Yeshua writes here, to proclaim liberty to the captives, both spiritually and physically, and to recovery of sight to the blind, both spiritually and physically, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, spiritually and physically, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, exactly. You know, and the, the whole thing as well is to just build on that is an incredibly important part of this, that whole picture is something that's supposed to surround all of it, all those actions, all those wonderful things, and something that was an intricate part of Yeshua's ministry is discipleship. You know, it's that idea of, yes, we go and we, we, we feed the poor. We do all these things. We, or, you know, but then there has to be, at some point, there has to be disciples. Yeshua had his disciples himself. The disciples, uh, when they were done with their discipleship with Yeshua and he ascended, we have them making, going out and making disciples, you know, baptizing them and this whole big picture. And that's really exactly what, what God calls us to, you know, and, and Paul writes about this here in Romans 15 verse 20. He says, and so I was ambitious to bring the good news where Messiah had not been named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. Now, it's interesting what he's saying there, you know, he's, you know, on, on, he's actually just talking about the idea of discipleship. He's saying that, you know, I'm, I was, I was ambitious to bring the good news where Yeshua was never the, the God. Yeshua has never been proclaimed yet. Right. And he's saying, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And really what he's, he's meaning is, you know, and we see this a lot today is a lot of times we are clustered into a group, a circle, um, something, something like a, a church or, or a fellowship, and that there's nothing wrong per se with that. But oftentimes, it becomes a thing where um, we d there is no multiplication. So you can have a, a big church full of members, hundreds of members, but it's when someone needs to get baptized, you just bring them to the pastor, you know. Or um, if if the individuals in the church or in the fellowship are not making out making disciples themselves except for maybe bringing someone to church but that's not what we see the disciples do you know or or their disciples do you know the the first century church idea was an idea of multiplication that's how it grew the way it did is not because everyone came to be spoon fed every sunday and sing kumbaya around the pulpit no it was way more than that where 
you know, everyone were there were there was discipleship, but then there was discipleship, and there was discipleship, and there was discipleship. It was like a, a, a hierarchy of discipleship, and so that means that that you know, as soon as you get the gospel, you're gonna give the gospel, you know, and so that's why he's saying. I don't come to bring on another man, build on another man's foundation because what he means is if everyone builds on everyone's foundation, the gospel isn't going to go forth because I'm going to just stay in this church for 70 years and the only, and I'm, no one's getting discipled. No one is, I'm just basically doing what everyone else is doing. I am just building on the same foundation. I'm not going out and I'm not going into a new place. Like Paul said, he was ambitious to bring the gospel where it had not been named yet. You see, so he, so basically, you know, what happened to the disciples? Yeshua was dwelling with them. He discipled them for for a few years, right? And then he, when he ascended, now they actually didn't even stay together and form their own mega church, and that's that. And not against that per se, because there are God has different callings for different things. But the general thing was, and this is throughout the board, is that there is at some point a breaking away and a scattering and every one of them went into different areas of the world and they went to proclaim the good news. And, and don't tell me, PD, that's just the disciples because we're all called to be disciples of Yeshua. We're all called to walk like him. And so, you know, that we, I want to challenge you today. If you're watching this, you know, are you in that place, you know, where you're either being discipled, and then if and then you're striving to get to that place where you're like, okay, now I can go and I can go out and make disciples, find and make disciples. You know that is what that was one of the main things that Paul pushed and did. And he and that is really what it means when he says, don't just stay in this. I'm not going to just go and build on everyone else's foundations. I'm going to go and I'm going to go where he's na- he was never named yet and build there. And so I just also want to add that, you know, when we think about where God has never been named yet, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, in the U.S. or many of these Western countries, everyone knows about Jesus. But so where will we preach then? No, everyone doesn't know about Yeshua. Not, Not everyone knows about Jesus. They know about a version of him, but they don't know, maybe don't know the true version. And so that was what Paul did. He he went to places where there was absolutely no knowledge of God, but he also went into places where there was a knowledge, like in the circumcision parties, there was a knowledge of Yahweh, there was a knowledge of God, but they, there was not a knowledge of the version, if you will, the, the true God, and that who came became flesh and came to dwell among us. That is who God, that is he, who he is, his character, and came to die for us to get his bride back. And so, really, God calls us to be a multi, have a follow a model of multiplication, to make disciples. Right. It's about not staying within our own personal circles and becoming comfortable. I mean, I know how that is. It become very nice and very comfortable to have our own circle of those we fellowship with every single week, and that is good for to encourage and to build each other up. But the whole point and the whole goal of this is to when you have your torch that has been lit with the fire of the Holy Spirit and the message of Yeshua. You're to go out and light someone else's torch and they're to go out and light someone else's torch. That it continues to that, that fire can spread. The whole world can be lit up for Yeshua. That's why we're called to be a light to the world as Yeshua was a light. How can we be a light if we're contained in our own little bubble and we stay there comfortably? 
We are supposed to go out and break outside of our circles, outside of our circles of comfort as well, to go out and to proclaim Yeshua to wherever God has placed us, whatever environment that might look like. It'll look different for some than it might for others, but wherever God has placed you, to go outside of your circle of comfort, to proclaim Yeshua through love, to be an open doorway of his love, that what he has poured through you, that you may pour out to others, to not be a closed door, but an open door, lighting others with the message of Yeshua and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And, you know, I just love Romans because we, in this letter, we really get a, a good glimpse of like, um, Paul, the, the whole, how it was like, you know, because like, for example, we, we see here about Paul next writing about how he was now traveling and he's writing to this, these, these people in Spain and he's saying, Hey, I'm going to come by you. And, you know, I'm going to, but, and then he, he says something really interesting. I want you guys to see this. So he says, in Romans 15 verse 24, I shall come to you when I go to Spain, for I expect to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. At first, I'll be somewhat filled with your company, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to serve the set-apart ones. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Acacia to make some contribution for the poor amongst the set-apart ones who are in Jerusalem. For they were pleased, and they are their debtors. For if the nations have shared in their spiritual matters, their duty is also to serve them in material matters. Now, there's two things that I want to point out here that's that's really amazing or interesting. You know, the way that first of all, the way that Paul is writing to this congregation. I don't know if you've caught that, but it's kind of funny because he's saying like, by the way, okay, I'm going, I'm coming to you guys in Spain, and by the way, I expect to be helped by you on my journey. <laughs> You know, he's kind of, there's this idea, there's this culture, there's this, that if if Paul is going to visit us, our fellowship, we are going to bless him. We're going to help him on his journey in whichever way we can, you know. And and so, you know, and, and it was actually so open and Paul is like, by the way, I expect you to do this. And then he goes on and he talks about the poor as well. He says that, um, and, and he talks about these who made a contribution for the poor of, of the set apart ones in Jerusalem, right? And, and he says that, so, and he, he goes on and he says, while if the, if the nation shared in their spiritual matters, then it is their duty to serve them in material matters. So he's, he's basically saying, like, if, if they're sharing with you in the spiritual things, fellowship, if, if other people are sharing with you in God and Yeshua, or in the you know in his word or whatever, isn't it your duty to serve them in material matters too? It's not just enough to say, oh yeah, I love you, yeah yeah, but serve in the uh, material matters too, to give to the poor. And so I want to take this further, and you know I want to just share here in in, in one Timothy, you know God talks about how you know how we are to bless those especially who teach. You know I've I've came across. You know, I, I want to just make an analogy. A lot of times, you know, we've, we've, we, I've seen how you know many people labor really hard in the word, and but they they never get compensated for their labor. You know, and to just make to, to paint this picture, a lot of time, you know, let's say you um, there's an elderly man and woman, you know, and there comes this young man to them, and he and the young man says, you know, hey. I want to mow your lawn every single week. I'm going to do it free of charge. I don't want you to, you don't even mean to pay me, um, but I just want to do it as an act of kindness to give to you because I can, right? This is a, a simple gesture from this young man to this elderly couple. And it happens. And the young man comes every weekend and he comes and he mows the lawn and the 
goes away and the next weekend he does a really good job he does it again and next weekend does it again and and so on would it not be wrong for that elderly couple to never even come and say hey thank you son for what you're doing for us how can we can we compensate you you know take this here here's something for you for your labor right if if they did not go and do that it would actually be it would be weird right it would be wrong like we can all agree that would just be selfish you know we would by nature god instructs us to 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 if someone you know is working for you in every, whichever way we need to be compensating them yet many go to a fellowship or a church every um weekend or you know, no matter how big or small that fellowship or church is and there's an elder or or a, or someone a man who's or a woman who's who is teaching or is um, laboring in the word and there's never we come and go every week but there's never we never come and say thank you so much we want to give this to you as to say thank you for your labor because guys it is laborious to teach the word of god right and so you know this is what paul talks about here and he says here in 1 timothy 5 17 let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double respect especially those who labor in the word and teaching for the scriptures say you shall not muzzle an ox while it treasure out the grain and the laborer is worthy of his wages and so this is the justification of paul this is how he can stand and say guys i'm coming by you and i expect you guys <laughs> to compensate me for uh for coming to teach to help me on my journey and this is not about making money because freely you have received and freely you give this is what paul paul would have come by whether they gave him something or not paul freely received and freely gave he never charged for ever never charged for the word of god but he he did he was to under the he he taught and Everyone he came, he came to in the first century church, there was this understanding that a laborer is worthy of his wages. That's part of the thing, like PD was sharing about when someone has poured into you and has blessed you spiritually through teachings or, or through any other act of service as well, that we are also called as the body of Messiah to pour back into that person, such as through material blessing, like Paul writes here, that we're not to withhold the thing, well, that, well, God gave it to them so that you know, freely, so they should give it to us freely and I should never have to do anything for them. No, we should see that what God has blessed them with and that they're freely giving that selfless heart that they're giving to you to, to teach, to instruct, to love on you. We should also desire to love them back in the way that they might need, which might be materially, which might be simply encouraging them, which might be going to pray for them, whatever way they need support, whatever that looks like. We are to also bless them back, those who have blessed us. It's simple as love your neighbor as yourself. How can we love you in the way that you need to be loved in that moment? If it's a, uh, something that's material, then how can I love you in that way? If it's something that's through your word, how can I encourage you today? How can I pray for you today? How can I be there for you as a friend? How can I, in that way, love you as Yeshua loves you? Because you are showing that same love to me. Exactly. And so, you know, with that, I want to encourage everyone, you know, if you've got a local fellowship or, you know, whatever, if you've got anyone who's, who's, who's teaching you or, you know, um, uh, whatever, imparting to you, laboring to get you disciple to disciple or, you know, whatever the case is, I, I encourage you, you know, to, to give to them, whichever the way the Father leads your heart to do. And, you know, that doesn't need to be financially. Of course, we, we, we know that, you know, not... 
Um, we're all in different places, and we but there's different ways to give. You know, we can give in ways like Christina mentioned of encouragement and giving. Don't just come and take and take and take every weekend and never give back to the one who's been giving freely and giving and laboring. You know, God, a, la a laborer is worthy of his wages. And it's really not going to be a nice thing to come before God one day and have only been taking and taking and soaking up all these things. And God tells you, you know, why have you never given back to my servants who, are, who has been laboring for you? You know, there is really that it's important to do that too. All right. So, um, guys, as you can see, like we're just in this is just one chapter in Romans. This is just ridiculous. It's amazing. Praise God. You know, the amount of revelation that we can find in like one chapter, it's, it's, it's just incredible. And, you know, and so, you know, we're going to go into Romans 16 now. You know, in Romans 16, it's an interesting chapter because Paul talks about. He just kind of, it's like a greeting chapter. He's just like greeting. He's saying, he's greeting all these random people we don't really know. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well how, well, how is this supposed to connect with us? But even here, you know, if you just dig a little deeper, you'll see that there's incredible insights that God wants us to see through his Holy Spirit in this chapter too, you know. And so, you know, he, he starts off Romans 16 when he, with, with commending this lady. And he says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our, our sister, who is a servant of the assembly in Kenria, that you receive her in Yahweh, worthy of the set-apart ones, and assist her in whatever she has need of you. It's again that idea, right? For she has been a great help to many, including me. Now, it's interesting. Many scholars actually believe that um, the reason that, that, that Phoebe was actually the deliverer of the letter of Romans, because this, the end of the last chapter, the end of Romans, he's now saying, oh, and by the way, I commend you the sister Phoebe. So obviously it's, it's almost like she was accompanying this letter that was, that Paul was writing. And she was most probably even reading it out to the assembly as the deliverer. That's how usually it went, um, in the culture and in the day when these letters were being delivered. and But he says something interesting. He says, I commend her to you who is a servant of the assembly in Kenrio. Now, it's interesting because when we look at that word servant, okay, it's it's the word in the Greek, diakonos, okay? It's really the word where we get in English the word deacon from. And it's interesting because our translators in, the, in many of our translations they translated it to servant here, but in just about every other case, when when this was talking about a male figure, it would be talking about it would simply say a minister, a teacher, or a straight up a deacon, and that's really what this is. Paul is saying, "Hey, I commend you, Phoebe. She's a deacon, and a deacon is really someone who's basically a minister, someone who is." And of course, it would make sense for Paul to send a minister to deliver this message because she's not only going to read it out, she's going to be explaining it to this assembly as she is um, delivering it. And, you know, I, I want to submit to you that this is, you know, many people we've, and I talk about this in my Women in Ministry series. If you've never heard that, please go to my Women in Ministry series and, and watch that series. But you know, many people have come around to to believe that women cannot minister. Women cannot um, teach in any way or preach. Women are only there to, to raise the kids, and that's their job. And But here already we just see Paul himself 
um, talking and, and giving encouragement and saying, hey, guys, help out Phoebe because she is an incredible minister of the word. She's an incredible deacon is really what he is saying there. And then in, in two verses later, he's actually going again and he mentions the next person he mentions is another woman. So women were really had a big part in his ministry and in, in accompanying him and helping him. You know, even Paul was not married per se himself. He had different women who helped him in his ministry. And he goes and he talks about Priscilla, Priscilla in verse 3. And he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila as my fellow workers in Messiah Yeshua, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the assemblies of the nations. Now, you see, again, and it's, it's interesting because he actually mentions Priscilla first. Right? He's saying, so, and, and, you know, in other words, when he was talking, she, her name was the first thing that came to mind. In other words, she was probably more prolific. She was probably more at a bigger hand in this thing. And her husband, of course, was accompanying her. We had all that. But for some reason, Paul mentioned her name first. And, and just like today, when we would talk, we would oftentimes mention people's names first who had the biggest impact. Who, who meant the most to us, you know, in a speech or in, in which, in whatever way, you know. So we see that, but I want to dig a little bit into this Aquilas and Priscilla here because they, they're an interesting couple. We actually read about them in the book of Acts a few times too. And uh, I want to read this to you guys. So here in Acts 18, verse 24, we, we read, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, a learned man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This one had been instructed in the way of the master and being fervent and spurred, he was speaking and teaching the matters about the master. Exactly. So he was a really good teacher, though he knew only in the, about the immersion of John, not about being baptized into Jesus, into baptized into Yeshua. And he began to speak boldly in the congregation. And when Aquilas and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more exactly. Now, it's just kind of interesting because, you know, how they did all this, you know, Aquilas and Priscilla, you know, they took this man aside. It's amazing. So they were really learned, obviously, really knowledgeable in the scriptures. They were, they, they were ministers of the scriptures, they were basically like deacons because they were taking this big teacher. It says this is like a a, a learned man and mighty in the scriptures, right? Um, and, and so they are coming to this man and they are bringing him aside and they're instructing him in righteousness. That means that they had to be really big and mighty in the scriptures too. And guys, you need to see that, you know, Aquila, the husband, when they took him aside, he didn't tell Priscilla, okay, Priscilla, you know, just go and yeah, you can go just stand there around the corner for a bit. I, let me just instruct this man. Let me just teach this man here for a second. No, he did not do that. They were together. Together, they were ministers of the gospel. And together, Priscilla to this woman instructed this great leader, this great elder, more rightly in the scriptures. 
What's beautiful about Priscilla and Aquila is that they are both ministering like P.D. shared together. They're married. They're a couple. But because oftentimes when we enter into marriage, we can let, oh, ministry maybe is put off to the side or we become too busy. And it's understandable. Life can, you know, become busy. And But yet for Priscilla and Aquila, ministry and marriage was one. They pursued ministry together, hand in hand, where they both worked together to, like for Apollos, when they shared with him, together they spoke to him and instructed him in the word of God. And we even see like when Paul greets them in Romans 16, when he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Messiah Yeshua, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches, all the fellowships of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the fellowship that meets at their house. What Priscilla and Aquila were doing, and we'll see even elsewhere, they were starting fellowships everywhere. They were, I could say, church planters, you know, fellowship planters. They would start it and they would move on. So like we were talking about earlier, you take your torch, you light the next person, and then you go on. You light the next person. So that fire, that fire for Yeshua, that light can grow and the whole world can be lit with that light. We have in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, where it also mentions again, Priscilla and Aquila. And it says, the churches, the fellowships of Asia send you greeting. Aquila and Priscilla together with the fellowship in their house send you a hearty greeting in the Lord. At this point, when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, Paul was in Ephesus. And he wrote this also where Aquila and Priscilla were also in Ephesus. Where they assault a fellowship in their home. And this is also where they were when they spoke with Apollos. And what's really interesting about um, Priscilla and Aquila as well is that when Claudius, Emperor Claudius, had at one point exiled all the Jews, uh, so that'd be unbelieving Jews, believing Jews, all the Jews, or anyone who even looked like a Jew, that would be even Gentiles who wanted to follow after the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but who looked Jewish in that same way. He exiled everyone who looked Jewish from Rome. And that was a number of years back before Paul had written the book of Romans, and they were just starting to come back. And so Paul's emphasis in the book of Romans is addressing this. But even in Aquila Priscilla, when he met with them, it even mentions in the book of Acts chapter 18, how Paul met them when he says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So we have this very much where also later they traveled with Paul. Like I think even PD mentioned earlier, they traveled with Paul to Syria. And they also traveled to, to preach the word of God, like I mentioned, to start fellowships. So they first started that with, and you know, welcoming Paul into their home. Paul was a teacher. And so like we talked about earlier, they blessed the teacher because he was spiritually blessing them. So they materially blessed him back by, you know, come into our home, come fellowship with us. And then because of that, they were able to grow even more in ministry. And you see what they were able to do to impact the fellowships all over, as even Paul writes in Romans 16, not only I, but all the fellowships of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And so that heart for ministry that they had together as a couple, as a married couple, that ministry didn't cease or didn't stop because they were married, but rather it grew to such a great impact that all the fellowships of the Gentiles, as Paul writes, were impacted, were blessed, and were influenced by Priscilla and Aquila's love for them and for Yeshua. Exactly. And, you know, that's that's what it's supposed to look like. You know, that's what marriage is supposed to be. And so, you know, like Yeshua, you know, and his bride, right? He's coming back for a bride that is, 
equally yoked, who's doing the same things he's been he's doing and he's interested in, which is you know spreading the word of God, building the kingdom, and that's what a husband and a wife ought to do with their time. It's not like Christina said; it's not about like, well, okay, we're married now, and you know things got just got really busy, so I guess you know we're gonna tone down on this stuff a bit. No, 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 you're supposed to run harder together now. You're now that you've got each other. You need to to run with this thing, like Christina said, like be like a torchbearer, and 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 light like they like Aquila and Priscilla. They were incredibly um, successful, if you will, in building the kingdom in that way. And so God, it's an amazing thing that God, an amazing gift that God gives gives us to be able to do that. And it's so, really awesome. Mm. Oh, sorry, just to jump in really quick and adding on that when. Priscilla and Aquila were both going out together. You see the husband and the wife, but it's the same thing if you have a family. Sometimes we get into the idea that, well, once we have a family, once we have kids, you know, they they maybe are even a burden when it comes to ministry. That I can't do ministry the way I wanted to before because now I have family, now I have kids, and I can't really. No, yes, you can. Take your whole family with you. Take your wife with you. They are to work together with you so that perhaps even your child that you've raised up. Because remember, instruct a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they shall never depart from it. That when you're instructing that child to love the Lord, your God, to love the Lord, their God, they're also able to minister right alongside you because they will be able to speak to some who will might not even listen to you, but would listen to a child speak. Because there's that innocence, and that beauty that a child can convey. So when you go, even as a couple, as a family, the entire family can minister the word of God, can spread the kingdom of Yeshua in the world, like PD said, be a torchbearer, and that is um, our call. Exactly, and so you know, um, Paul kind of like ends this message off with you know basically the book. He starts kind of wrapping it up now, and um, you know it's amazing because he talks about then um, the, the, one of the last things he really says is watching out for divisions and things, and he, and he, he talks about like how we are to. He's basically saying, guys, so in this book, in the book of Romans, I have come and I've given you many instructions. I've taught by the Holy Spirit. I've came to bring you how will we, how to, 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 to reach people, how to be, um, to, to not make the weak stumble, if you will. You know, he can bring a lot of clarity on a lot of cultural issues that may not be exactly the cultural issues we have. But it's but it teaches us a lot about how to deal with issues that are similar in nature in our day because just like there were controversies back then, things that people were freaking out about that were, you know, not something worth going crazy about, conspiracy theories, all kind of stuff. We have that today. We had it back then. Nothing much has changed. Just the issues are a little different, you know. But so he then goes and he says, "You're." As he's ending it off, he talks about Romans 16, verse 17. He says, Now I call upon you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and stumbling. In other words, stumbling. That word stumbling, it's it's those who came come to make the weak or those who are new to the faith stumble. Those who come and who don't give everything they have to make to ensure that they no matter if it's a sin for them or whatever, but if it's gonna make someone else stumble. Don't go there. Don't do it. You're going to live in a way that's going to be as life-giving as possible. And he says that watch for those who cause division and stumbling contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. You know, if someone's going to bring a teaching contrary to if stuff I've been talking about, something that's totally out there and different, 
don't let them make you stumble you know and really i want to submit to you that there are many things going around today many teachings many things that is nowhere in our bible never addressed once not important many things which we get so hung up on and stuck on instead of what we ought to be concerned about and it's simply a distraction from the truth of god and many of these things you know, um, uh, 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 they, 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 because we get passionate about them, that, there's nothing wrong about getting passionate about something, you know, but sometimes if, if that passion of ours causes someone else to stumble, even if they think you're so crazy to, to think that you, you, I can't think of, I can't believe anything that you say about this Jesus, this Yeshua, because of the ludicrous things that you believe. And if it's things that you're holding on to that's not in the word, things that are maybe a conspiracy theory or whatever, you will by that make others stumble, especially if you're very outspoken about it and, 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 and all that. So really, we need to be careful about these things. We need to make sure because we can come before God. Guys, I'm going to be straight up. You can come before God one day. And he'll be like, you are so passionate about this other thing that I am not Yeshua, not my disciples. No one in this word ever once talked about, but you were, that's all you ever talked about. That's all you ever went on about. And you buy that actually caused some of my children to stumble from my word because you had truth in you, which I gave you, but you never proclaimed that. You instead proclaimed something else. And the other things you proclaimed because they weren't rooted in the truth, because of that, you made others not see the truth. And you see, that is where many, I'm afraid, I'm so afraid because so many are in that place. And many will hear those words one day. Oh, hear me out, brothers and sisters. We need to be careful in what we focus our time on. And this is really one of the last things that God talks about. He says, if someone is bringing you things that cause division, stumbling contrary to the teaching which you learned or things that are not about the things i've been talking about as paul writes then turn away from them don't concern yourself with them and he says then in verse 18 for such ones do not serve our master yeshua the messiah even if they say they do or think they do but their own stomach and by smooth words and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the innocent your obedience to the word of god the law of god to Yeshua, everything he did, he walked out. Indeed is reported to all. Therefore, I rejoice concerning you, but I wish you to be wise indeed as to do as to the good and simple toward the evil. And the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. The favor of our master Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, will be with you. Amen. So in concluding the book of Romans, Paul writes, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore, the Yeshua Messiah. So in this, Paul comes back to the very beginning, how he began the book of Romans, when he says we are to walk in the obedience of faith. Paul concludes with also that what has now been disclosed to the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about 
the obedience of faith, that all are to walk in the same obedience of faith in Yeshua Messiah, to walk as Messiah walked, to walk in the, ob- the same obedience that Yeshua walked in. So Paul, throughout this book of Romans, he has never negated Torah. He has never abolished Torah in any way. Go back to Romans 3.31 where he states, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So Paul's focus in this book of Romans is to uphold the entire scripture, to bring about that unity between those who are the Jewish believers in Messiah and those who are the Gentile believers in Messiah, that they are one in Messiah. There's no distinction, there's no separation, but you are engrafted in to Israel, into the same covenants of promise, into the same everything that like Paul speaks about in Ephesians 2, that you are engrafted into that same because of through Yeshua, through Yeshua's sacrifice. That that wall, that dividing wall of partition has been broken down. That man-made dividing wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. And Paul is specifically talking about this throughout the book of Romans. That we are to have that love for God, that love for our brother, that we are one in Messiah. That we are all grafted into Israel to walk in that unity and to walk in that love pouring out his love, like we talked about earlier, to be that torchbearer, to light others with the light of Yeshua and to love others with the love of Yeshua also in through our words, through our deeds and through our actions, through the signs of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so this is Paul's focus as he's writing this book of Romans or to the Romans and as he concludes it. And then we're also to continue praying for those who are who don't yet see Messiah, those who are unbelieving in, um, in Israel, to the Jewish brothers like Paul had on his heart that we are to lift them up, that they will see Yeshua and they will understand how all of scripture has foretold, all of scripture has spoken of the Messiah that was to come, that who has come. So in this, as Romans is coming to an end, that we have our goal and our focus to love God, to love our neighbor and to walk like Yeshua walked in the obedience of faith. I hope that this this series has blessed you guys and we thank you for sticking through um, in this series with us. So we, I, mean, I just want to end this off in a prayer. May God bless you guys. God, I just, Yeshua, Lord, we just come before you, Father, and we just ask that you would come. And Lord, I pray every heart that's here, that you that's listening to this, Father, I just pray you would come and bring truth. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would remove from us all distraction of things that are not um, rooted in you, that's not important to you. Lord, let the things that are important to you be important to us. Let the people that you that, that you see, let, the, let that be the people that we see. Let the people you want to touch be the people that we want to touch. Lord, let everything you do be a, be a mirror. Of, let us be a mirror of you, Father. Lord, I just pray for you would come and bring a great revelation, outpouring of your spirit, your truth on everyone who listens, Lord. And I pray, Father, that Lord, that this would allow everyone who's listening far to see the rest of your word and the beauty of that it is, Lord. That it's not to speak against your word itself, not to abolish the Torah, not to abolish your law. or to. It's not, Lord, I thank you that you are the fulfillment, Yeshua. Jesus, you came to fulfill, fill up, bring to, bring to fullness of meaning the the word of of the father the torah of god lord i just thank you lord and we just give you glory and honor and praise we pray this in the name of yeshua and lord i thank you for the freedom that you will bring through this in the name of jesus amen thank you guys may god bless you and keep you and uh, from me and christina thank you and we'll see you guys in the next video shalom blessings and shalom